My name is Nicola and you're watching Singularity FM, the place where we interview the future. If you guys enjoy this podcast, you can show your support by either writing a brief review on iTunes or by simply becoming a patron via interviewthefuture.com. You see, guys, there are two people who have influ influenced me more than anyone else to switch to a plant-based diet. The first person was Professor Peter Singer, who put the idea in my head probably 22 years ago when mm -hmm. I was uh, first starting to read Introduction to Philosophy as a young undergraduate student. And of course, the second person is Dr. Michael Greger, whose books, How Not to Die, and the more recent one, the How Not to Die cookbook, are an absolute must read for anyone interested in healthy living and even healthy life extension, which, by the way, would be the topic of our conversation today. So the reason why I invited Dr. Greger today is so that we can talk not specifically on how not to die, but how not to age. And so, Dr. Greger, welcome to Singularity FM. Thank you so much. Uh, happy to be here. I'm excited about this topic. Fantastic. Well, tell me about it. Why are you excited about this topic? I know that you have it on the back burner to write a book on the topic eventually. Yeah, yeah no, no. Starting uh, March uh, 2021 um, oh. will, be my, will be my How Not to Age book. Um, and so it'll be out uh, December uh, 22. Fantastic. So how, why are you so excited about this topic? Um, well, uh, it was really based around a, uh, uh, a paper uh, published in, uh, I think it was 2014. Basically, the uh, big pharma brought together all the top longevity researchers in the world um, to some you know, fancy locale and got them to sit down for a couple of days for a consensus meeting to come up with the most promising longevity pathways in terms of developing anti-aging drug technology. And so they brought Victor Longo, they brought, I mean, everybody, you know, who's anyone in this field, it's actually not a big field, surprisingly. Um, and they all got together and they came up with five, a list of five. These are the pathways um, that, uh, you know, are kind of our best bet for um, radical life extension. And, you know, I was reading this paper, I was just fascinated by the topic in general to do videos about it for nutritionfacts.org, and I realized every single one of those pathways could be manipulated through diet, right? So they're talking about the TOR pathway, talking about IGF-1, right, talking about methionine restriction, all these things can be completely, you know, you don't need to develop new drugs to do this. Um, and so I was like, oh, but that's a perfect book. Like literally the book would be based on that paper and I'd have one chapter or one section of chapters on each one of those five and talk about all the diet and lifestyle ways to manipulate that exact same pathway, but do it in ways that are safe, simple, and side effect free. That's fantastic because uh, my community of sort of singularitarian, transhumanists, life extensionists, and crayonists are all very interested in these topics. So are you in a position to discuss those five possible pathways uh, or do you need uh, to actually write the book first? 
<laughs> well, I don't have to write the book, but I do have to do the research. So I do have videos on all those topics on my website um, already, um, but they're certainly not uh, fleshed out in the way that I would like to. Um, so, yeah, I'm certainly happy to touch. List those five pathways and tell us. Oh, I, you know, I should have I should have pulled up that knowing that we we're having this interview today. I should have pulled up that paper. Um, let me see if I can find it really quick. Uh, let me look at my longevity folder here. <laughs> That's a very important folder. You know, the, um, you know, of course, I'm sure you're uh, familiar with Kurzweil's book. You know, it's possible that with advances in biotech, um, you know, radical life extension is just a few decades away. So it may be a matter of just living long enough to live forever. And so, so, so. Either way, eating healthy right, is our best bet to live a long, healthy life. So How Not to Die, the book that's already out, um, all proceeds I receive go to charity. I'm, sorry, I'm not plugging the book for personal gain, but I want people to be uh, healthier, live longer. So, I mean, just staving off chronic disease until we have the technology um, to, you know, add a year every year and then we're all set. Um, but let me find that paper. But you know, speaking in the meantime about staving old, uh, staving of uh, you know uh, unhealthy uh, disease for yeah. possible and having as long as possible healthy long lifespan. Yesterday or a couple of days ago, I saw one of those longevity researchers on LinkedIn posted a, a picture of a dinner with a bunch of his colleagues, and they were all having sort of like a, something between meat tartare and maybe meat fondue. And then my comment underneath was like, well, we have, you know, undoubtable, uh, like medical scientific evidence that shows that meat eating decreases healthy lifespan. Right. So that's the first step where we should begin making. Yeah, no, that's funny. And his response was something of, to, the, to the effect of, we need fundamental changes, not some marginal improvement. Uh, well, in the meanwhile, <laughs> right? Oh, look! You have your. If we have the answer already, well, then you know, hand it over. If you don't, you gotta live long enough and healthy enough until that happens. I mean, unless we're sure it's gonna be in the next few months, and we can cram all the crap in our mouth we want, right? I mean, it's like a longevity researcher not wearing a seatbelt. It's like what, right? I mean, that's just that's just crazy. Anyway, so I have my longevity. A folder open. It's got 851 papers, and this is before the book. This is just what I've collected just to do videos about. And so it's it's going to be hopeless to find this uh, um, one okay. particular Let paper. Let me roll back the tape a little bit and and sort of see if I can run you through sort of my plan of our conversation. And then, of course, we're going to chase and have the free form of as any good conversation has, uh, which I'm enjoying tremendously already. And by the way, I agree completely. My response was going to be, so why don't we just start smoking then? And yeah, yeah. What? With trans fats in the meantime and ignore every single common sense idea or scientific evidence for healthy lifestyle. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, that's a perfect answer. Yeah. So tell me about a little bit. Let's roll the tape back and and ask you this for those of our viewers and listeners who perhaps may not know who Dr. Michael Greger is. Who is Michael Greger? Um, uh, I'm uh, a lifestyle medicine physician um, who started a, uh, a website, nutritionfacts.org, 
to offer free um, uh, daily videos on the latest in evidence-based nutrition. Everything on the website is free, no ads, no corporate sponsorship, strictly non-commercial, not selling anything. Just put it up as a public service, as a labor of love. Um, uh, so, but there's about 1,500 uh, videos on there uh, now, covering every aspect of healthy living. Excuse me, new videos and articles uploaded every day. Um, and uh, we exist just basically kind of on a Wikipedia model where everything's free, but if people appreciate uh, all the work our research team does, then if, you know, we reach so many millions of people that have won a thousand kicks in a few bucks, we're totally fine and set. And uh, um, so, uh, you know, excited to uh, share this knowledge on uh, basically the good news. So that- if I were to ask you to to... Well, finish your, your sentence. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I mean, the, the bottom line is that we have tremendous power yeah. over our health, destiny, and longevity. The vast majority of premature death and disability is already preventable with a plant-based diet and other healthy lifestyle behaviors. Fantastic. And, and I, 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 I'm a complete believer in that. But let me ask you about one other interesting uh, sort of feature of your biography, because I know that there are a lot of math geeks in my audience, a lot of them. And I know you used to be a math geek yourself. How did you know that? Well, I do my homework. All right. Well, good job, because I don't think that's ever come up. But yes, indeed. I do my homework. So uh, how did you fall in love with medicine and nutrition or math? And which one was the first love? Oh, my God. You know, um, well, you know, ideally, all three should pretty much be the same thing. Um, uh, the, uh, um, I've, always, I've always loved the sciences. Um, I, you know, in, in undergrad, I tried to get away with taking as few humanities and social sciences courses as possible um, um, to complete a biophysics major. Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I mean, I loved math. I was good at math. I played with math. Um, I, you know, I, I would, you know, my recreation would be, you know, math puzzles. And I think you were uh, obsessed with math at some point. Yes, I was obsessed with math. Fine. Well, yeah, no, I, um, the, you know, the four fours game no. I don't know where you, where you try to, to create integers with, uh, um, four fours and common mathematical symbols. So 16 is four plus four plus four plus four, you know, uh, you know, you know, I mean, it's in, and so how many numbers can you make with four fours and common mathematical symbols? And so I got up to like 19,000, something like that. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, but, uh, I, yeah. But, um, uh, so anyway, but then, um, and so I was doing great, you know, um, and, you know, taking all the kind of advanced placement courses until, and so I got cocky uh, when I got to Cornell and took this, uh, this graduate level class um, in uh, linear algebra, of all things, which sounds like the most basic of things. Um, and I got there and it was the first math class I was ever in where there were no numbers. They didn't use any numbers. And I was overwhelmed very quickly. I realized that before I was a, uh, a, a big fish in a little pond. And now I realize, you know, um, I, I just don't quite have the aptitude. It's like chess. I'm a good chess player unless you're a good chess player. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, I'm not that good. Um, and, uh, and indeed, I realized um, that, I, that my math prodigy days were limited and that... Uh, 
uh, maybe uh, jumping over to some of the other heart sciences. But um, no, so I love math. Why hmm. medicine then? Oh, well, medicine is uh, to use, uh, I mean, so you, yeah, you can be an engineer, you can be, do all sorts of things in sciences, but I wanted to, uh, um, I wanted to, you know, use my skills to, uh, to help people. And, and I mean, it all goes back to the story of my uh, grandmother, who uh, I got interested in this. Um, uh, you know, I think the spark for many kids who want to become a doctor when they grow up is, you know, watching a grandparent get sick or, or even die. But for me, is watching my grandma get better. Uh, she, uh, she, uh, she, she was diagnosed with end-stage heart disease, um, already had so many bypass surgeries, basically run out of plumbing at some point, confined a wheelchair, crushing chest pain. Her life was over at uh, age uh, 65. But then she heard about this guy, Nathan Pritikin, one of our, uh, you know, pioneer lifestyle medicine uh, practitioners who, uh, um, and she's actually featured in Pritikin's biography, he talks about Francis Greger, my grandmother, um, one of his early success stories. They wheeled her in, she walked out. Uh, in fact, within a few weeks, she was walking 10 miles a day, and uh, though she was given her medical death sentence at age 65, thanks to a healthy diet, was able to enjoy another uh, 31 years on this planet until age 96 to continue to enjoy her six grandkids, including me. So. That's why I went into medicine. That's why I practiced the type of medicine I practice, lifestyle medicine, why I started NutritionFacts.org, why I wrote the book, How Not to Die. I just wanted to do for everyone's family what Pritikin did for my family. Well, that's a fantastically moving story. And then you came up with this kind of foreign, alien, never heard of previously before concept called evidence-based medicine. Oh. What a concept, right? Even better, evidence-based nutrition. I mean, that's even more, right? You know, it's, uh, you know, the fact, uh, I think just the title evidence-based medicine is so ironic because like what other field of science do you have to put evidence-based? It's kind of assumed that you're practicing evidence-based engineering, evidence-based chemistry, right? But medicine for so long has been so devoid of, uh, of, you know, rigorous uh, scientific backing of so much, so much of the practices that, uh, that they really had to have a whole new revolution of evidence. What, you actually want to demand evidence for the things that we're um, exposing people uh, to every day at the risk of their uh, health and lives in some case? So, uh, yeah, so I'm just taking that a step further and dipping into nutrition, which seems to even be worse than uh, the field of medicine in terms of the corrupting commercial influences um, and just, just so much money to be made actually in both fields um, that it's just hard to get a kind of an unbiased objective. Just tell me what the science says, not from someone who's trying to sell me a product, but just like, you know, what's the best available balance of evidence right now? And uh, so that's, uh, that's what I've kind of dedicated my life to. So let me follow this exact thread here. What does the evidence say? Is there such a thing as optimal diet for human beings and why? Um, okay, yes. Um, uh, there, uh, I mean, we have decades of a really scientific consensus on the core tenements of healthy living. I mean, there's this, there's this uh, kind of manufactured controversy where, um, you know, it's kind of a standard tobacco industry tactic 
where you just try to instill doubt into the populace. You don't have to convince people smoking is good for you, but if you have a, you pay off enough of your own scientists to say, well, lung cancer, maybe it doesn't cause lung cancer, then the person who's smoking, you know, will just kind of throw up their hands and do whatever is, uh, you know, they've been doing before. And the same thing with the food industry. Coffee's good one day, not the other day. Butter is back, butter's not. I mean, that's, that's exactly what the food industry wants. So you throw up your hands, eat whatever crap's put in front of your face, um, just to keep people as confused as possible. But that's not what the peer-reviewed medical literature says. Anyone who wants to crack it open, and now anyone has unprecedented access to the riches, the wealth of knowledge that's out there, this mountain of evidence, sees no, there's this just remarkably con consistent thread. In fact, the, the True Health Initiative um, was uh, is an organization, uh, uh, a nonprofit created by uh, David Katz, the, Hale of the head of Yale's prevention uh, um, uh, center, um, where he brought together about 500 of the top scientists in the world. You know how, like, if you wonder about climate change, right? So they have this consensus statement of climate, you know, uh, you know, climatologists said, okay, 90 whatever percent say yes, you know, anthropogenic, you know, uh, 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 you know, climate change. Well, the same thing you want to do with nutrition. Okay, what does the science say? Let's get the top nutrition professionals in the world, so Walt Willett from Harvard, everybody together to agree on a consensus statement, and they did that. Um, and it's, you know, center your diet predominantly around whole plant foods. I mean, that's kind of the bottom line. There's lots of tweaks you can go from there. But you say, okay, well, how do we know that? Is it just this kind of observational data where some populations who eat a certain way live longer or healthier than others? And how do we know it's their diet and they're just not you know, uh, people who eat healthy are probably exercising, not smoking, you know, putting in smoke alarms, you know. Um, how do we know it's the diet? The reason we know it's the diet because we have interventional trials. You take people, you randomize the two groups, half continue their regular diet, the other half, uh, you put on some, you know, trial diet and you test to see what happened. And that's finally what Dr. Dean Ornish did, July 21st. Uh, 1990, published in the most prestigious medical journal in the world, The Lancet, The Lifestyle Heart Trial, proven for the first time that the number one killer of men and women, heart disease, could be reversed with a plant-based diet and lifestyle program. Never been shown before. Randomized controlled trial. Opening up arteries without drugs, without surgery. Um, uh, I mean, side effects. Uh, well, oh, good side effects, right? <laughs> right. With, uh, um, and so, I mean, uh, since that day, no, 1990, no one else should have died of heart disease. We had the cure. We've had it for decades now, yet hundreds of thousands. People continue to die from this preventable, arrestable, reversible condition. So, in fact, based on what you're saying there, uh, and I've been reading some recent studies that suggest that actually life expectancy for the U.S. population and for the population of the United Kingdom, for example, in the last three or four years has been diminishing rather than yeah. increasing based on all those lifestyle choices, uh, nutritional yeah. choices that we make daily in our lives. Yeah, and uh, so I would encourage people to go to healthdata.org. Um, where you can find your country. So it's healthdata.org slash Sweden or slash, you know, uh, Canada or slash wherever you are. And uh, so that then you will get this beautifully presented graphical data from the Global Burden of Disease Study. This is the largest study of human risk factors for disease in human history, funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, found that, for example, in the United States, the number one cause of death is the American diet. Um, now, bump, and number one cause of disability 
number of healthy years lost, diet. Now bumping tobacco to number two, cigarettes not only kill about half a million Americans every year, whereas our diet kills hundreds of thousands more. Number one cause of death and disability. Um, and so if you're interested in a long, healthy life, the most important thing is at the end of your fork. Uh, Dr. Gregor, we're kind of very quickly making ahead here with the time. So I'm trying to push forward because I have so many questions and I've been looking forward to this conversation f with you for so many years. So let me ask you this. What do you say to people who I meet everywhere all the time? And I tell them, look, I've been vegan for two years and two months now, and it's the best thing I ever done for myself. And people tell me, well, I tried that for two weeks or I tried that for four weeks and it doesn't work for me. What do you tell those so, Well, what, what do they say? How, how is it not working for them? Well, they say they get so protein deficient or they say someone told them they should go back to meat because it doesn't work for them. So I had the, we have this friend and her, her mom is like 70 pounds or, or weight probably. And uh -huh. she's like, and we were, I was like suggesting her try plant-based diet. And she's like, well, she tried that for three or four weeks and her doctor told her she, it doesn't work for her and she should go back to eating meat and all that stuff, for example. Well, I mean, I mean, it's like going to a doctor who smokes, who says that smoking is fine, right? No, seriously. I mean, no, the reason, uh, I mean, uh, so, uh, you know, back in the 1950s, for example, for the Surgeon General's report here in the States, uh, you know, uh, most doctors smoke cigarettes. I mean, so it's oh, like- Let me tell you an amazing story. Yeah. My wife's family is from Rochester, New York. Oh, yeah. Her, when her, her grandma had her mom, uh, in the 1950s, she gained a lot of weight and she went to the doctor and the doctor prescribed her cigarettes so wow. that she lose weight. I swear she got a prescription to start smoking so that she can lose weight and return to her previous. No, there were ads in the Journal of the American Medical Association encouraging doctors to, to, to prescribe Philip Morris. Um, for their patients. In fact, this, the American Medical Association actually uh, formally came out opposed to endorsing the Surgeon General's report. Um, uh, could it have been because they were just handed a $10 million check from the tobacco industry? Maybe. Um, but I mean, you can just see, I mean, so, uh, you know, just like, you know, you can think about the smoking habits of physicians um, back then, think about the eating habits of physicians today. I mean, uh, most doctors today continue to eat uh, the foods that are contributing to our epidemics of dietary disease. And so if they're not informed, what are they going to, uh, you know, I mean, they just aren't able to tell their patients. We aren't taught um, sufficient nutrition in medical school. So if you don't learn it, um, then, you know, we're giving our patients bad advice. Let me ask you another uh, opposition or another counter argument Please. that I get often. People tell me, look, I'm very active. I exercise a lot. So maybe I eat, uh, you know, uh, fatty meat and bacon and eggs for breakfast, but I burn it all uh, in the gym. And they're visibly not overweight. Right, 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 right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the goal is not to fit into a skinnier coffin. <laughs> right? You can lose all the weight you want, right? Uh, you can, uh, you can, you, you, you want to lose weight? Tuberculosis. AIDS, chemotherapy, <laughs> cholera, a good cocaine habit, right? The, there's lots of ways to lose weight. The question is, what is it doing to your body? And by eating, by you know, eating bacon and eggs every day, you're ravaging, um, you know, your endothelium, the inner lining of your arteries, setting yourself up for heart disease, strokes. These are some of the leading killers 
Um, and so, you know, I mean, depends on what your goals are, but it's possible to actually be healthy and slim and live long all at the same time with the, with the right diet. So is nutrition then more important than exercise? Oh my God, absolutely. So again, you go to the gold burden of disease study, exercise um, usually down around six, depending on the country in terms of inactivity. But, it, but I mean, what, you know, you can think of all the money that's put into stop uh, to, you know, uh, campaigns to stop smoking. And you realize in almost every single one of these countries, smoking is, it, it kills fewer people, kills and maims fewer people than the diet in that country does. And then uh, usually physical inactivity is lower down the list. But as you can see, me being on my treadmill right now, physical activity is important. And I recommend uh, 90 minutes of uh, moderate exercise every day, seven days a week, or 45 minutes of vigorous exercise. And why? And that's actually based on the longevity data. Um, and so, you know, just like in nutrition, where they kind of soft pedal the message um, and, you know, say, well, we can't tell people the truth because we want to make it kind of doable. We want to, we don't want to intimidate people. We want to, you know, make kind of achievable goals. So, you know, the current recommendations are like 30 minutes exercise, uh, like most days a week, something like that, 20 minutes. Um, and, but if you look at the, if you look at the data, for example, the walking data, which is probably the lar largest, you know, yes, it's true. I mean, people that walk 15 minutes a day live longer than people that don't walk any. So even a little bit, every little bit helps. Okay. But people who, that uh, walk for 30 minutes a day on average live longer than on average than those uh, walking 15. Same thing with 45 over 30 and 60 over 45. And, and it maxes out at 90 minutes. So people that walk for 90 minutes a day on average live longer than people who walk for 60 minutes a day. And is it possible people walking even longer do even better? We don't know because they couldn't find a large enough cohort of people that actually you know, walk more than 90 minutes a day. And so it's possible it gets even better. We don't know. But currently, the best available balance of evidence suggests 90 is best. And so that should be the recommendation. Doesn't mean everybody has to do it, but you should at least know the science says, you know, more is better. Um, and so, but every little bit helps and the more you can do. And the same thing with diet, right? It's not all or nothing, not black or white. You know, anything we can do to move towards eating healthier, it doesn't matter what you did in your birthday or holiday, special occasions. It's the day-to-day -day stuff that really builds up. Our body has a remarkable capacity to bounce back from sporadic insults but you can't be, you know, poking yourself with a fork three times a day. Dr. Gregor, we're in the last five minutes of our interview here because I know you're, you're very busy and you're lining up many, many of them. Let me just ask you a few quick questions here in the end. Uh, see, is there a single most healthiest food or most life uh, longevity promoting food? Yeah. So there's actually only two foods that have ever been proven to... Um, uh, well, proven is a strong word. There's only two foods that have, after controlling for other lifestyle factors, been associated with significant longer life in terms of years added to your life. Only two foods can do that. Right, so far, I mean, there may very well be other foods that just haven't been tested. Number one is nuts. We learned that from the Adventist um, studies. Um, you compare people very similar Right, these are a bunch of inventors. They don't smoke. They eat lots of fruits and vegetables. Very healthy um, people, and so you compare and and vegetarians, um, and you compare those same character lifestyle characteristics: nuts versus no nuts. Both vegetarian, both don't smoke. Blah 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 blah. On down the list, both uh, you know not obese, 
and the nuts, the nut eaters live two years longer. And that's um, uh, five uh, times a week, a handful, like an ounce of nuts, uh, five times a week. So I just tell people an ounce every day. But um, so that's one. And then we have Japanese data on uh, darkening leafy vegetables. So um, uh, uh, Japanese men, women who eat greens every day um, live uh, significantly longer. And, and they also have great uh, longevity walking data as well. What about calorie restriction? I have some people, oh, yeah. listeners of my podcast, who practice calorie restriction. Yeah, so um, I, so I have a, a, a section in my upcoming book, How Not to Diet on Weight Control. It's coming up next before How Not to Age. Um, I talk a lot about uh, calorie restriction, so I've reviewed the literature, but mostly in terms of weight loss, um, but certainly going to do the same thing for the longevity book. So, you know, if you go to Nutrition Facts that are typing calorie restriction, you know, it pulls up um, a few videos I did about suggesting that the benefits of calorie restriction may be due to uh, protein restriction. Um, and so you can get, and indeed, it's not even general protein restriction, but specifically methionine restriction. So you may be able to get all the benefits of calorie restriction um, just by restricting this one amino acid. Um, and you can do that by, uh, you know, shifting towards more uh, plant-based sources of protein. Um, and so then you don't have to, you know, walk around kind of starving all the time. Um, uh, but there are certainly other benefits to um, uh, caloric restriction. Um, the, uh, this, the, the calorie trial um, is really the best data to date. Um, uh, and uh, like dozens of publications from the single trial, but it shows um, uh, so it was really remarkable benefits. You know, we were concerned from some of the biosphere studies, um, uh, before in terms of, you know, um, uh, you know, vigor and libido and sleep, et cetera. But the calorie trial, uh, which, uh, tried to restrict people, I think 30% only got like down 20, 12% or so, but, uh, really saw remarkable improvements kind of across the board. So there may be other benefits. Um, but in terms of longevity, um, it may be um, methionine restriction may be where it's at. A lot of that is based on laboratory animal data, which you always have to be a little concerned about in terms of extrapolating. Uh, that's something I'll give really deep treatment to in the book. But certainly um, the, uh, my, uh, my current analysis is at, uh, on nutritionfacts.org. Fantastic. Unfortunately, we're pretty much out of time. So I, I only want to ask you the last two questions. First, okay. Can people find more about you and your work? So uh, nutritionfacts.org, all my work is free. Um, you can check it out there. You can sign up. You can subscribe um, uh, and get alerted when all the new videos are up. Oh, there's a free app on iPhone and Android called Dr. Greger's Daily Dozen, where there's a checklist of all the um, uh, dozen things I encourage people to fit into their daily routine. So berries every day, the healthiest foods, greens every day, the healthiest vegetables. I kind of go down the list, a tablespoon of ground flaxseeds, a quarter teaspoon of turmeric. And so it's just like a little check, but every day you check off the boxes um, and you track, graph your progress, kind of fun, just to remind you to some, get some of the healthiest of healthy foods in your uh, daily diet. So uh, yeah, you can check that out as well. I have a lot of people who are from the quantified self community. So that would be- Oh, oh yeah. Oh, they'd love it. They'd love it. I, I think so. I think so. Last question. What's the most important thing? that you want us to take away from this conversation today, keeping in mind that my audience is not interested only in healthy living, but most of all in long, long, long living. We want to live forever. Right, <laughs> right, right. No, so long living. So, you know, I talk about, in fact, I start out the book in the introduction, How Not to Die. I talk about how no one dies of old age. 
Um, you know, so they looked at uh, autopsy centenarians who apparently died of old age. They had no, you know, diagnosed conditions. Their doctor said, no, they were fine. Then they just dropped dead. If you actually do autopsies in every single case, they died from a, uh, you know, from medical cause. Most, um, uh, number one, of which was heart disease. So they didn't know they had heart disease. They weren't diagnosed with heart disease. But no, indeed, they died of a heart attack. Um, and so number one killer of men and women heart disease. And if that's all a plant-based diet could do, reverse the number one killer of men and women, uh, shouldn't that kind of be the default diet until proven otherwise? And the fact that it can also be so effective in preventing, arresting, or reversing other leading killers uh, like type 2 diabetes and high blood pressure would seem to make the case for plant-based eating simply overwhelming. Dr. Greger, Thank you very much for spending so much time with us. And one last parting request on my behalf. When the new book, How Not to Age, comes out, can I please have you for at least an hour, please? Now, uh, well, how about I'll, I'll send you a, a, a pre-release review copy? That would be fantastic, but only if it comes with the interview. Because I, I, <laughs> well, 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 I'll get back to you. All right. Sorry. I couldn't like haggle you. All the best. Thank you so much. If you guys enjoy this show, you can help me make it better in a couple of ways. You can go and write a review on iTunes or you can simply make a donation. 